0: Hi, welcome to Nightclerk Radio. This episode tonight is going to be about Vapor Trap. I'm Ross Payton, and with me, as always, is Burke. Hey, it's me, Burke. Vapor Trap is sort of the. Well, what if Vaporwave had a beat? I guess is the very simple, simple way to put it. Yep. It is a combination of sort of the Vaporwave aesthetic with trap music, which is a. Type of hip-hop music so they've sort of been mashed together to become sort of a single new genre uh well i mean new is relative i mean it's been around for like five years now but we have two albums we're going to be looking at tonight but first we're going to talk a little bit about the genre itself i don't listen to as much vapor trap as i do some of the other genres of uh, vapor, but i do have quite a few albums that i enjoy um it is i feel sort of Like it's a gateway genre to Vaporwave in a lot of ways. If you want to get people into Vaporwave, it's a good way to introduce them. Uh, The biggest album is, of course, Blank Banshee, Blank Banshee Zero. That is sort of the the album that is pretty much everyone considers the creator of the genre. It, It is sort of the one that kind of established it as a thing. And you hear a lot of Vapor Trap in the more popular mixes and videos that incorporate Vaporwave. Certainly, I've heard a lot of Vapor Trap in the Simpson wave videos that are very popular on YouTube. That whole thing. It's it's, if you want to get people into it, but you think they might not be liking music that doesn't have a steady beat or they're not as used to experimental music, that you could introduce them to Vapor Trap and see how they like that. And you can go on from there. Burke, what are kind of your initial thoughts on Vapor Trap?
1: Yeah, it's funny because I actually listen to, eh, not a lot, but a decent amount without having ever called it Vapor Trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm very bad at subgenres, as people will find out during the course of this podcast. But because <laughs> we were planning this episode, I was like, oh, I don't know if I've ever really listened to Vapor Trap. And you were like, I'm sure you've listened to Blank Banshee. And I was like, oh. i get it now it totally makes sense because i know like (laughs) i know like what trap and trap drumming and stuff is both from from blind drums and then listening to like a lot of hip-hop and stuff Mm -hmm. because trap is like that sort of style of drumming is everywhere now in hip-hop to the point where it was a joke a few years ago of have we reached peak trap uh and i I really like it i I really enjoyed listening to both these albums because i love taking the that nostalgic kind of glitchy like samples but not as sample heavy as some vapor wave. Mm -hmm. And then you, you just, uh, first of all, I love the sound of the drum samples typically used in trap, which we'll talk about in a second, but you take these drums and you give that sort of floaty, nostalgic Mm -hmm. uh, atmospheric music, some structure Mm -hmm. and it becomes much, much more listenable or kind of engaging. It's like really aggressive, but still kind of soothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It is. I think, I mean, there's a lot, one of the things that really sort of, like immediately draws my attention when i listen to vapor trap is how they use hi-hats and like hi-hat patterns mm-hmm. like there there's a lot of these these roles of hi-hats that are really uh distinctive you don't re- obviously hear them in pretty much any other subgenre of vaporwave but then also you have the, this super super heavy bass those two elements are like if you tell me to think of vapor trap that those are two things that immediately come to mind
1: the hi-hat stuff is especially really interesting because um what you're talking about is that um, in trap drumming, there's a tendency to kind of switch around these subdivisions where you don't really play like a constant eighth note or something. You, you slip in these faster little lines. And a lot of that, what really defines trap is something that's only made possible by drum sequencers because you always play it so fast that it just becomes a note. Mm-hmm. If a rhythm is fast enough, your ear will just hear it as a pitch
0: oh yeah yeah i can see that yeah
1: yeah so like if you had if you had a
0: hi-hat if you programmed a drum
1: machine to play 240 hi-hat notes per second (laughs) you would just hear a 240 hertz kind of tone yeah because your ear can't separate out the individual attacks oh and like a lot of trap stuff is on the edge of that where it just starts to kind of blur together Mm -hmm. but you can still hear the individual little attacks and that still kind of gives it that ringy sort of interesting quality is
0: it's sort of approaching the limit of kind of what you can hear Yeah, a lot of I mean, obviously all of this music is made entirely possible because of synths, you know, synthesizer technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, there there's of course a lot of sampling, but it's not anywhere near like a plunder phonics level. But they use particular types of synthesizers. We'll get we'll talk about that in a little second. But what I like also about vapor trap music is, you know, the, the common sort of joke was vaporwave creators, producers, DJs have no talent because they're just taking, you know, Diana Ross songs and pitch shifting them or whatever. But if you show them Vapor Trap, then like you can show there's a lot of skill. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of technique and in creating a lot of these Vaporwave albums or Vapor Trap albums. There's a layer, I guess, texturing of, and layering of uh, multiple sounds, all layered and layered until you get something really unique. I quite enjoy that just to try and pick out every single like source in a single a track it's very refreshing compared to a lot of vaporwave which again relies heavily on sampling and plunder phonics which of course i i do like but you know variety is the spice of life
1: agreed definitely a lot more i want to phrase this carefully because we both obviously disagree with the the idea of like vaporwave requiring like no talent
0: like, well i mean that's the joke i think vaporwave does take talent but like yeah absolutely. that's kind of like vapor trap is kind of my go-to like to prove to people who are like, oh, vaporwave is a joke genre. Yeah. Vaporwave is a no talent genre. Like, that's the thing I've seen every time I mentioned vaporwave to people who are marginally aware of it. That seems to be the, the knee jerk response. So,
1: no, yeah, I think we're saying the same thing in that. I think this has just enough mm-hmm. recognizable craft that people kind of associate with making music that it would get them over that hump and into mm-hmm. some of the other more plunderphonics abstract stuff.
0: We're doing these episodes on particular genres, but all these musicians are sort of blending and blurring the lines. You can't really define a lot of music and neat mm-hmm. genre labels. But cloud rap is another sort of major. Some people think that Vapor Trap is basically cloud rap, just there's no uh, actual people rapping. And cloud rap often is just instrumental in itself, too. Cloud rap is this, again, early 2010s genre of hip hop. That refined on sort of lo fi production technique, hazy dream like kind of music and distorted vocals. And I'm barely aware of cloud rap. I've liked Clams Casino a lot and I've listened to some mixes that were really heavily cloud rap, but they were labeled as vapor trap mixes. I read this article in Vice that talks about how, you know, a lot of these genre tags are more marketing techniques for YouTube and other sites for their algorithms rather than actual real genres and like oh yeah that's an interesting discussion to talk about like genre labels as marketing exploitation or algorithm exploitation or just a technique necessary to get your music seen by anybody but cloud rap is certainly A major component of Vapor Trap, but there are differences between them because again, Vapor Trap almost has, there's almost no one there. I haven't actually seen any Vapor Trap albums with people rapping in them like at all, or maybe like one or two tracks or like some distorted vocal samples, but like not like you would see in Cloud Rap. Cloud Rap actually has rap.
1: I I don't, I can't think of any obvious examples with like intentional lyricism that you would expect from, Mm -hmm. from rapper hip hop
0: yeah there was there like I, so i was going through as preparing for this um i was listening to some clams casino and sort of going through the comments of people on uh youtube and one of my favorite clams casino song is i'm god which is again i found on a vapor trap mix and somebody on there commented this is one of those rare songs that make you feel nostalgic for something you can't even recall and i feel like that's kind of what vapor trap is as well like that that's sort of like what they're trying to go for it does make you nostalgic and trying to remember something but you can't remember exactly what like there is again we keep referring back to clouds and dreams and sort of haziness and when you listen to these samples i think you'll kind of pick up what we're trying to understand burke since you are the person who actually knows things about drums (laughs) (laughs) i know that drums exist that's really good that is about the extent of it can you explain the influence of the roland tr 808
1: Yeah, so I think this ties into some of sort of nostalgic and and haunted aspects of this because 808 is, you know, really a a relic of uh, the 80s. The TR-808 was a uh, drum synthesizer. It was like one of the first programmable ones released in the early 80s by the Roland Corporation. Mm -hmm. It was intended to be used for people who, you know, just want to write their own stuff and don't need to rely on session musicians. But it was actually really kind of expensive and unpopular at release, and it was initially a failure. I guarantee you that you've heard an 808 somewhere. It sounds like this. That kick, that hand clap, all of that is is so iconic because even though it was initially a failure, it quickly became absorbed into like smooth funk and R&B. Mm -hmm. hip hop and edm and new wave like the talking heads used it and it just became this infectious instrument throughout many many genres of music i mean to the point where kanye did a whole album that's kind of a love letter to it i think you hear these 808 samples everywhere throughout both of these albums and really a lot of Vapor Trap.
0: A lot of trap music also really leans heavily on the 808. Yeah, it's everywhere in like modern hip hop, modern trap. Mm-hmm. It's really become like a genre transcending instrument yeah. outside of its original intent. And so Vapor Trap really, of course, also dives into this, uh, uh, picks up on this as well. But I think this is also because, again, we're, you know, haunted music podcast. And so like, what is haunted about Vapor Trap? And I think it's people who are haunted by the past of past production techniques of like of ways music was made in the past you know the whole bedroom producer idea you know someone with the garage band aesthetic to a degree Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like these current musicians who are love that ideal of being able to make something and like that sound that it made like the so-called lo-fi aesthetic Mm -hmm. and so vapor trap kind of bridges into lo-fi hip-hop Uh, which is a huge thing. Yeah. Probably have to cover that at some point.
1: Yeah, that's sort of interesting because the 808 definitely plays into like the haunted by ancient production techniques Mm -hmm. while still being modern prevalent, because when it came out, it definitely was not a lo-fi thing. It was very expensive. Mm -hmm. It was like over a thousand dollars in the 80s. Yeah. So like almost 4,000 today. And today, I think we have much more of a culture of kind of spending money on gadgets. I think back at the time... People are less likely to just invest in like prosumer level stuff for their garage.
0: Well, like the nearest competitor at the time was like $5,000 in 1980s money. So, like, that's true. It was definitely a, a big step in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think
1: it didn't quite hit the market that they intended. Mm-hmm. But now people use it, especially, you know, a lot of it comes through using like. Patches that just emulate it because there's not very many actual physical 808s left anymore.
0: I mean, if you Google, if you look on Amazon or any place, there's like replicas too or like knockoffs, you know, there's mm-hmm. software versions of it. Yeah, there's there's a whole yeah. industry of ways to emulate that sound.
1: Yeah, I guess, sorry, the point I was gripping towards though is that actually using an actual 808 is like an incredibly slow and archaic process. You have to kind of set like your time signature and your tempo and your subdivision. And you just, you pick what instrument you want and you kind of press the keys of like, oh, I want hi-hat here so you have to press like every other key if you want like eighth note hi-hat it's yeah. like turn the dial to snare and press the buttons where you like want your backbeat to be mm-hmm. turn the dial to like hand claps and i want hand claps here and then there's all these little dials you can turn to change the sounds wow so it's yeah, yeah it was it's a lot of work to kind of program a beat into an 808 compared to today's tools
0: right right but i mean still back in the 80s that was still revolutionary i mean there's documentaries about this too oh yeah it's definitely something if you're interested in the history of music and you don't already know about the 808 you should you know definitely learn something but I like Vapor Trap I think it's an important subgenre of vaporwave because it's something you actually listen to in your car and it's it's something you can chill out to but you're not going to like fall asleep to it shows like the sort of range of like what you can be haunted by like it's not just concepts or in products it's like technique it's like how do you make art how do you create things mm-hmm. you know we're still haunted by like these current musicians are like looking up to their idols like well this is what they did and I should replicate the same process in order to create new art like the lo-fi is not just the using like old synthesizers it's also like liking the sound of cassette you know noise you know the idea of the it's the opposite of hi-fi it's you know hearing things that were once like derided oh we got cassette noise in it we got this noise we have to get rid of it and and just embracing sort of the the crappiness of the cheap technology that they had insert brian eno quote about anachronism and technology in music and art whatever you now find weird Ugly, uncomfortable, and nasty about a new medium will surely becomes its signature. CD distortion, the jitteriness of digital video, the crap sound of 8-bit, all of these will be cherished and emulated as soon as they can be avoided. It's the sound of failure. So much modern art is the sound of things going out of control, of a medium pushing to its limit and breaking apart. The distorted guitar sound is the sound of something too loud for the medium supposed to carry it. The blues singer with a cracked voice is the sound of an emotional cry too powerful for the throat that releases it. The excitement of grainy film, of bleached out black and white, is the excitement of witnessing events too momentous for the medium assigned to record them. Yeah, I mean, that's hauntology. That's the vaporwave aesthetic in a nutshell. Brian Eno, got it. Absolutely. You want to get started with the uh, albums? Yeah.
1: uh, I think Mr. Eno said it better than we could, so let's move (laughs) on. So that was a little bit from the track Mistakes off the 2014 album Dreams by Canadian artist 4Colon, usually stylized as F-R-C-L-N. So in 2014, this came out just a few years after Blank Banshee Zero really kind of blew up the genre. So I think it was very much from that era of just people making beat tapes of stuff that was interesting to them, Mm -hmm. because there's not a whole lot of direct theming in this album I think compared to other albums we've done on previous episodes mm-hmm. and I think a lot of this stuff just kind of came out and then got absorbed into mixes because you know typically we, we try to look into and research albums that we're discussing on the show but I feel like this one there's really just not a lot written about it
0: yeah it's I mean this is of course sort of like one of the inspirations that I had for doing this podcast is that there's so many Vaporwave albums of all types that like there's very little said or written or anything about these I kind of Want to like, like, phrase it like hey, this? Is interesting art, interesting music. We should talk about it. But yeah, like we always research these albums before we talk about them. But like, not every album is you know Floral Shop or Blank Banshee. And so like, there's a lot of things that nobody's talked about. Like people listen to it. There's a lot of people who've listened to this album I and mean, have commented on YouTube and Bandcamp about it. But like, yeah, there's no like formal criticism as far as we can tell.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. But overall, listening to this album is enjoyable. I liked it. I think the biggest thing for me, I sort of noticed just off the top is that to me, it felt like two albums. I don't know about you, but the first half, so the first track is this existent part one, mm-hmm. and then it has kind of seven tracks out of 14. And then there's existent part two. And I feel like as soon as you hit that part two, we're really much more aggressive, much louder much different style of of
0: synths and and music Mm -hmm. did you feel that at all i see what you mean but i feel in terms of the like there is a progression from Existent part one to Existent part two like i do see that but i feel like it's it's still more consistent to me than our second album yeah I, i i there is a very sort of haziness to all the tracks i felt like every single track does have these kind of lingering sounds that sort of again, connotate to me, clouds and dreamlike and like sort of unsure of existence. The samples are very classic Vaporwave. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you also have some of the lighter moments in like the later tracks like Crystal Crystals, sorry, was, you know, with that sort of, I, I guess, sort of video game music sampling towards the end or, or throughout the track. But like I feel it's just sort of a progression. It, it's building up throughout the entire album which I actually kind of see in the second album as well. So, but I don't think they're, they're too thematically different.
1: It's interesting. It just, it was like, just felt striking kind of the first time I was listening to it because the first half is so just what I think of as that smooth 808 Mm -hmm. trap. Yeah. And the second half is much, much more on you. Mm -hmm. Not in a bad way, but it was just like,
0: oh, how about that? I mean the, the the second half of the album does have like a lot heavier tracks. Uh I w- I will agree with that. Unclear in particular was really striking to me with the uh sort of I guess I don't I want to describe it as like an accordion, I'm not sure. It's a very textured sound and I quite enjoyed it. It was probably one of my favorite tracks on the album yeah. because of its uniqueness, but yeah, I don't know. Like there are the like blackout, those distorted voices I felt were pretty I don't know. And that's tracks having this right before that's sort of towards the, that's yeah.
1: Kind of the transition. If you weren't really, mm-hmm. I guess you are paying attention more to tracks in this one because each track is much more different. There's, yeah, there's less of kind of a flow from track to track.
0: Yeah. Both albums today seem to have a lot of that. Like they, they fully go to silence between tracks. Yeah. Like it does not, it's not one mix. They really do want to keep separate what they're trying with each track.
1: Yeah. It's very much like a collection of similar ideas. Mm hmm then kind of grouped together into an album.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there are some um like vicodin I really like too. It has sort of this kind of like ASMR quality to it with these the those samples. It's a really good build up on that. And then uh, Usagi, I felt like he was definitely especially the title Usagi, you know, is sort of I feel like a reference to Usagi ojimbo which is a comic about a samurai and it had this sort of samurai movie soundtrack yeah quality to it. Yeah, I mean that seemed pretty obvious to me. Mm-hmm. This is a good, I feel like, representative of vapor trap as a as a genre. If you like this album, you would definitely like this other vapor trap. It would be worth exploring. But if you didn't like this, you would not. Should probably just mm, cut your losses. I mean, <laughs> I feel like this is even better than like Blank Banshee in a lot of ways, uh, as like sort of a Ooh. yeah, as a, as a way to introduce people to vapor trap. That's probably fair. And I would say even
1: um, not to harp on this again, but because I feel there's such a strong difference between the two halves, Mm -hmm. I actually still think you could use it as kind of a litmus test of if you like the first half, but not the second, Mm -hmm. here's what you can listen to. Here's other smooth stuff that's like that. But if you like the second half and not the first half, here's other more aggressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. You get like a full spectrum of kind of what people would produce in this genre.
0: You know, Blank Banshee again um, is is such a short album, mm-hmm. and the tracks are so shorter than that. This is like I like that this is a longer album. This is what yeah. like almost this is like an hour, isn't it? Both are both are about an hour. Yeah. So I've listened to each album several times, and by the by, this third time I was listening to it, I would just put it on and just like didn't even notice it. It was it. I was just mm-hmm. but you know nodding my head to the beat. I'm gonna have to re listen to this again. Actually, to <laughs> because i feel like maybe part of it i was paying more attention to the first half than the the second half maybe it also could just
1: be me or like what headspace i was in kind of when i first listened to it and then that kind of informed all my other listening yeah i want to give people an example of kind of this this shift Mm -hmm. so i think i'm actually just going to play two tracks sure one from the first half and one from the second half so let's take a listen That was uh, track two, Vicodin, which is from the first half of the album. And then you have this. the sort of more aggressive second half that was the usagi track we were talking about and they are very very different and i think kind of representative of overall what's happened on each of those halves mm-hmm. i don't know let me know let me know in the comments down below whether or not i'm being
0: reasonable or if i'm just you know not seeing the obvious thing here
1: uh, <laughs> yeah t- take sides that's <laughs>
0: yeah clearly. all good content is
1: rooted in conflict So uh, one question I had, and I think you sort of pointed in that direction, is a lot of the albums we've discussed on previous episodes do have sort of stronger themes and and sort of, I don't want to say purpose, because I think that sounds too grandiose, but they're they're put together with like thematic intent, we'll say. Mm -hmm. And neither of these ones are, really. I would say Fujita scale is a little bit more than Dreams, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, So I was starting to wonder... Maybe this is a false, false, uh, division, but if these are just in mixes, I would also like them. So do I like the album
0: or do I just like the genre? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I like, again, I, a lot of vapor trap that I listen to is in mixes like in Simpson wave mixes or vapor trap mixes. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to albums front to back with vapor trap as I would, for example, mall like Mallsoft, you can't really mix with a lot of other music. It is so its own thing that it's very jarring to go from, you know, groceries to floral shop. So yeah, I, with Vapor Tribe though, it obviously, it fits a lot better with uh, musics to, to sort of serve as a, for mixtape or, you know, a mix. I would say it actually, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of, maybe that's what the artists were thinking because that's why they, each song is cleanly broken up with each other. I think so. I think because the fair response is,
1: is to say you know i'd like every song on the album so i like the album Mm -hmm. but also the structure of the album maybe doesn't need to exist yeah that's not a knock against the album or the artist of course i'm just thinking about it relative to other genres
0: that we've explored every subgenre of vaporwave has its own sort of message or sort of like i i don't want to say ideology per se but like they have their own sort of like concept of what it is about mallsoft is very focused for example but like trap is more like about like the music itself. It's not mm-hmm. about a particular, it's not, yeah, not about a, about a place or like a, a set of memories you have or something like that. It's, it's about, it's music influenced by other music. So it kind of makes sense that you would fit it with other music rather than just have it be its own thing. Yeah, putting in like listening to albums front to back of Vapor Trap isn't as necessary as you would with other vaporwave uh, genres. Because again, like Mallsoft is a trip through a mall, mm-hmm. you know, like it's almost meant to be made for. I, I think it is made to be made in mixes, to be put in mixes mm-hmm. or to be used as the backing for a rap track. So, yeah, I I, I think you're right. Like it's a genre, not particular albums per se
1: yeah it's a it's an ethos of just hang
0: out with your friends and put on some bangers mm-hmm. i can get behind that put it on a uh fucking meme video you know again simpson wave like yeah uh what would it be if you know bart wasn't having an existential crisis while he's going to church you know where where would a, a teen pregnancy the track be <laughs> well when you put it that way ross yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Segue to our next artist, which is In Five X's, who is a Parisian, a French producer. I was actually looking at his Twitter account recently and he retweeted uh, somebody complaining about selling beats to people who are just awful, you know, like, oh, really? Yeah. Sale me some beats, you know, and so in five X's is clearly still working as a musician and still trying to get by. And I would imagine a lot of these producers like supplement their income, not with album sales, but with selling individual beats on tracks, you know, for other producers or for other artists or, you know, the collaborations. So N5X's album is called Fujita Scale, which is also a term used to describe the strength of a tornado. And this is a very kind of Weather Channel themed album in a lot of ways. And so our first sample is from the track "Extra Tropical Cyclone. I should note one of the things I really like about this album is that and what hooked me on this album is actually it has a music video which is a rarity in Vaporwave and it's a really good music video. It needs a it should have a lot more views because it was really well cut. They take these beats and then they mix it with weather channel like video or footage from the, the different weather shows and news alerts and there's some really interesting cutting on the beat between like satellite photos and like radar maps, the aesthetic of or the the style of the these shows and just looking at a pure visual basis to as your imagery for a music video is really cool.
1: I really like that music video that you linked me to. Um, so we should definitely put that one in the show notes because I think people would want to see that. Oh, for sure. I really like this album. Um, I liked the actual, we can talk about whether or not it's it's uh, strong, but there's, I do like the kind of weather theming. present mm-hmm. in the album, it gave me like a uh, nice home with vaporwave sample vibes mm-hmm. because there is uh, sampling from news reports. Now, maybe not news reports you want to be nostalgic about. I think we've mentioned uh, Weather Channel previously. It was like, oh, am I snowed out of middle school? today do I have to go to class mm-hmm. um, and these are more tornado reports and and whatnot but it is that sort of use of that weather channel sampling was was a nice touch
0: yeah I I quite like it the the album art does have that sort of vapor wave summery breezy aesthetic with the uh, very stylized pool and uh, you could see a, a woman's legs next to the pool and just out of frame and or the rest of her is just out of frame I like that it's going for that The sort of 80s palm tree summer breeze sort of aesthetic side of uh, Vaporwave. It certainly starts out as a very summery kind of breezy thing. And there is kind of like the same sort of transition between sort of lighter tracks to darker, more intense ones as the album progresses, which is so it's kind of like dreams in that respect a little bit. But I feel maybe you could almost make an argument that this was stylized like you're going a day out at the beach and like you're going from morning to night. But maybe I'm reading too much into this. that or an approaching storm. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's clear weather. Oh, there's that storm coming in. Yeah, there's even a tornado in the background of the album cover. Oh, yeah. Good point. I'll be honest that the music video is what hooked me on it but i i I like it let's see some of my favorite uh my favorite track is actually sort of in the middle which is ice cold ocean very dreamlike has these very fun sort of hi-hat roles and kind of a video game music aesthetic or sampling i'm not really sure but like they just, there's a lot of interesting layers in it. Uh, I don't know. I, that's, I could, I'm definitely going to pull that track and put it in whatever mixes I, you know, make for on the road or anything like that. That's, that's easily my favorite track on the album. I think that's a good choice. Like with clouds, it was interesting. Like I didn't, there wasn't, there's not like one track that stood out hands above the others, but there was one for Fujita scale. Was there, did you have a similar experience or? Yeah. So I think,
1: One thing I really liked in sort of defined listening to these back to back is I think there's a lot more musical variety on this album, which I liked Mm -hmm. because you can look at tracks like High Pressure Research, Mm -hmm. which has like this jazzy lo-fi kind of thing going on even though it's maybe not the best track on the album but it's definitely one that's not like
0: anything else on either oh album. yeah it's got the horn isn't it yeah the yeah, like yeah, it. yeah 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 and it really stands out one thing i like about this album is like the the distinctiveness of each intro the intros and a lot of songs really hooked me like right from the beginning and that one high pressure had a really sort of i i i got a lo-fi hip hop vibe from it mhm it, it's kind of it's very chill and kind of built up and i i quite appreciated that yeah i think overall you know if it is an album about
1: weather in some sense i think it really hits that because a lot of the stuff is even is more smooth and
0: airy trap Mm
1: -hmm. it still has a lot of really good ambience even stuff that is maybe a little heavier Mm -hmm. it still manages to do a really good job of of kind of being relaxed and hazy and airy Mm -hmm. so yeah compared to the other album there's i think a good bit of theming
0: in this one kind of talking it out now i see what you mean i mean like it's also more overtly in a lot in some ways vaporwave because we do have like japanese vocal samples in track 10 Mm -hmm. lost force trapping
1: yeah (laughs) it's a good track though it's a good track it's a good track
0: some sort of synth wavy kind of keyboards in the next track cozy boy so relax It's a fun album, like, but I I think you're right on this being a genre, not like particular albums. I would probably look for, like, an extended, like... Give me a two hour vapor trap mix, just, just all the bangers from the albums Mm -hmm. and put them together. Like I probably wouldn't listen, like download the whole album to listen to for like on a plane flight or whatever, but like a mix with all the best tracks. Like, Ooh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I agree. And you know,
1: it's funny because I was thinking of, you know, could you take tracks out of this one because it does have slightly stronger theming about weather and stuff, but actually even in like a generic vapor trap mix Hearing
0: random weather reports would not feel out of the ordinary at all. It's yeah, just, yeah, exactly. If it was placed right, it would be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, this is still like the, I guess that's one of the other reasons how you can separate vapor trap from cloud rap is you know like hey, does it have shit that makes no sense otherwise? Like weather channel samples, like or video game samples. Does it have the Dreamcast boot up sound? That's sort of like a big uh, litmus test, I think, for uh, any vaporwave song. If it has Dreamcast sounds in it, it's probably vapor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Not not very, a lot of video game influence in this uh, subgenre. Not, not as much in Vapor Trap, but I feel like you could probably, like the, the sampling in this is not as overt. So I feel that there's probably, if you were to peel out of back, you would probably find more samples than you you could initially pick up on. Like it, it, it's subtle, you know. I agree. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some video game samples. And, and obviously those people speaking Japanese are.
1: Now, Fujita scale is also sort of interesting. Um, just to switch gears slightly. Mm-hmm. So N5X is uh, in doing kind of re- trying to research this album and artist in general. I actually found an interesting thread about how people are not mad, but were like really concerned because he openly uh, states that like once he releases music, he deletes all his originals. Wow. Like he just doesn't keep it. Yeah. So there is actually a fair bit of kind of haunted by copies of something that doesn't exist anymore in some sense. You know, what does that mean in in digital music, I guess? Yeah. He doesn't archive his own music. Like once it's out there, it's up to like Bandcamp or listeners. Mm -hmm. Did, Did he say
0: why he did that?
1: No. So this was just somebody who was looking into it. I can link the thread of people talking about it.
0: I could theorize of different reasons why you do that. One for like... I must put my old art away so I can work on new art. But two, it could be a purely legal survival strategy. Like if he's sued for copyright infringement, I delete all my original files as soon as I'm done because then I can't be, then then the court can't ask for them to find out if I've infringed on someone's copyright.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think also uh, I looked it up and um, in the actual message, which was somebody who was just like messaged him on Facebook because he's a small artist. You can just reach out to him. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'd really like to pay a premium to get copies of kind of old missing album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand if you don't quote that. He's like, oh, I really appreciate it. But I delete them because I don't like them anymore. Oh. And when the next time I drop my new tape, I'm going to delete Hydrowaves, which was his last tape at the time of this. Wow. So he's like, you know, I kind of delete them because kind of once I, I've sort of moved on, like I've made it. It exists. Wow. And now I want to make something else and, and I just delete it. Wow. Oh, he could be making that up. You don't know. No. Yeah. But um, that's true. But this is like a call on the Vaporwave
0: subreddit a couple of years ago to like archive his stuff. Artificial scarcity, man. I mean, there's a lot of Vaporwave producers who'll put out cassettes with like of their albums and there'll be bonus tracks on them. And then they only like release 20 copies of these mm-hmm. cassettes, you know, or even. Yeah, or last
1: episode, you know, Cobalt puts in, yeah, adventures and, <laughs> yeah, and, like thematic material into their
0: cassettes. Yeah. And they don't release it on PDF, it's just in those 10 cassettes that's yep gotta gotta admire that commitment to artistic some vis- artistic vision i don't know if, if i necessarily agree with that vision but at least you know it's a a, a vision i just think it feels i get it because mm-hmm. yeah, you you still feel like you have control over it but i
1: don't know like in the digital world somebody's gonna have it anyway and like yeah you have the original Daw masters or whatever yeah but people are still gonna have
0: yeah. Yeah. The, the, there's uh vaporwave is also pretty like in general, like people will create archives and put them up on file sharing sites because it's not like real music. It's not actually, you know, people don't actually copyright it, you know, so uh, might as well have 10 gigs of uh, vaporwave that you can just freely download because why not? So there will always be that floating around. I saw that was sort of an interesting aspect of kind of this artist. Yeah, uh, but that's pretty much all I have to say about this. Um, mm-hmm. Both these albums are good intros to Vapor Trap, but I feel Clouds is better for that. But I mean, they're both worth listening to.
1: Yeah, I agree. And if you, know, if you like them, there's Infinity
0: Vapor Trap mixes out there to kind of dig deeper into this. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this exploration of Vapor Trapped. We're going to be sticking with vaporwave subgenres next episode. We will be discussing hypnagogic albums. Hypnagogic is the term for the period in which you are right when you're in bed and right about to fall asleep. So you're not fully conscious and you're not fully asleep yet. It's fun, happy music.
1: Yeah, I guess we're kind of really switching gears in that, you know, this this episode was vaporwave but less sleepy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The next episode will
0: be vaporwave but sleepier very sleepy uh but very good yes uh it's 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 one of the more prominent subgenres of vaporwave mm-hmm. the two albums we already picked are mm, i like them both i can't wait to talk about them i am. Um, at ross payton on twitter
1: i am at burke McBurkinson,
0: and as a podcast we are at night Clerk radio uh don't forget to rate and review us on apple podcast or your podcasting app of choice and please spread the word if you like this podcast tell your friends about it uh shout out from the hilltops uh, or at your local mall food court we will surely appreciate that
1: make sure you download them because i'm deleting the audition projects so
0: <laughs> he's not or is he am i thanks for listening we'll see you next time Thank <laughs>